everybody, and welcome to the next edition of Atomic Ergo. I'm your host, Earl Ray Neal, and with me today, I'm so happy to have Gary Orr. Uh, Gary's uh, professional and educational background uh, is is uh, just something to behold, and we're we're really uh, we're privileged to have him today. He has a BS in industrial engineering from a little school you may have heard of, Auburn University. Uh, Master's of Science, uh, Industrial Engineering, uh, Human Factors, uh, uh, also a birds, uh, board certified professional ergonomist, uh, ergonomist. I'm having a hard time talking today, Gary. I'm just going to be honest with you. Okay. But we're not going to we're not going to cover over it. Uh, we're just going to let it roll because that's the way we are. It, it's been good. a long week. I'll be honest with you. The oh, uh, you know, yeah, you have those weeks, right? Like, yeah, oh, the weather's changed here in Kentucky, and it's just really something. Um, uh, but uh, currently, you're with the Department of Labor, uh, yeah. being a research assistant at the University of uh, Maryland School of Medicine uh, and Industrial Engineering Healthcare at Johns Hopkins. And uh, we're just very ple uh, pleased to have you today, today, Gary. Thank you very much. Thank you. Uh, so looking at your educational uh, experience, your professional background, uh, you know, you're really a rare combination of, uh, you know, an academic uh, research scientist, a practitioner, had a lot of different experiences. Uh, if you could spend a little bit of time, uh, help our listeners understand uh, how you made your career choices and who your influencers were, uh, I sure. would appreciate it. Sure. Yeah. You know, it's it's an interesting question. You know, some people, I, I think when you start your career, you you kind of have things planned out. And as, as I look back, and I'm sure as you do look at your career, you think, well, how did I end up here? You know, it, it, things are different, but you also do, you look back and you say, you know, things kind of tied together there must be sort of a plan for things because things that seemed inner not related at all really helped move one place to the next and so you know when I uh, I, I started in to go to college I knew I wanted to be an engineer but I had no idea what industrial engineering or human factors was and so I at, at Auburn and like a lot of uh, colleges engineering colleges you have to take a variety of engineering courses just to sort of see where you're at. And I thought for sure I was going to be a civil engineer, build bridges, roads, and those kind of things. And uh, one of the professors came through as a human factors engineer, and he was explaining what it was about. And I was so intrigued. I said, you know, we're looking at applying the the, the laws of physics to the way people interact with their work. And I was, I was intrigued and always have been. But it's for me, it's always been a great tie-in with industrial engineering because as an industrial engineer, I looked at I look at work and I try to analyze why people do what they do, how they can be more efficient, and human factors is such a big part of that. So it's it's really I've I've gone to a lot of different places. I know at one time my dad thought, you know, is this kid ever going to stay in one job or not? But it's been a it's been a nice pattern of a lot of different jobs that have kind of led me to here here at uh, Department of Labor and OSHA. Okay. At, at what point did you decide that that it was going to your career was going into, into health and safety? You know, I've I've always been very interested. Like I said, you know, the industrial engineering side is a little more of the efficiency side, and I guess it was probably in the late '80s, early '90s, when I had an opportunity to look at human factors and ergonomics specifically. And I really, it really connected with me. It's like, you know, I like the side of industrial engineering, but really looking at how to keep people safe in their work was, was something that, you know, was just near and dear to my heart and really enjoy, still enjoy the work. 
our uh, CVO, uh, Steve Davis, mm -hmm. uh, told me that you just returned from the Human Factors and mm -hmm. Ergonomic Society uh, conference. Uh, how was the conference? Uh, you know, what what did you learn? What did you teach? Uh, and if you don't mind, uh, explain to our listeners what your take on the the difference between uh, human factors and ergonomics might be. Sure. Yeah, the conference was great. It was here in in Washington D.C., so it was local for me. It, it was a nice conference. Uh, and I've been going to this conference for about forty years. So now it is not just um, a conference to go to, but people that I see and. You know, we talk about their families and their children and their grandchildren. So it's a lot of catching up. And um, the 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 two big things at this conference were uh, exoskeletons and artificial intelligence. I think those are those are uh, what um, it looks like. We we label industry phases, and we're in industry phase five, and probably into industry phase six fairly soon. And it, there's a lot of discussion about those being the the primary drivers of what's going to happen in industry. And so let me, let's, let me talk a little bit about your question on human factors and ergonomics. When I was in school, ergon human factors was the word we used. We, we, we talked about that. Human factors had a lot of people from psychology, uh, industrial psychology, looking at the interaction between uh, people's cognitive side. So the, how you think about work and what you do um, through that process as you interact with people. And but we also looked at the physical side. So we looked at biomechanics and the way people move and their capabilities. In Europe, it was a different story. The word ergonomics was the primary word. And so we sort of saw the differences, human factors here in the US and, and in Europe, we saw ergonomics. Well, as we started to work on the standard, I was I first started working on ergonomic standard in the US in, in 1994, and we called it an ergonomic standard. And so the word was kind of new, and at least for a lot of Americans. And I remember um, the Secretary of Labor at that time was, was Secretary Reich. And Secretary Reich said, you know, I like what you guys are doing. It's really important. But this word ergonomics, I'm not so sure about. And so we tried to convince them that that was probably the right word to use. And so it's really stuck. I mean, we and, and it, as a matter of fact, it was called the Human Factors Society at the time. And I think people in the field wanted to use the word ergonomics because they didn't associate it with human factors. So now we see it's the human factors and ergonomic society. So it's, um, I think we use both words. Sometimes people think of ergonomics as just the, the physical side, but I, I really think um, whether you're talking about human factor or you're talking about ergonomics, you're really talking about that whole person, you know, the person's thinking, how they cognitively look at a work, at a job, and also the physical aspects of the job. This is all this question I ask uh, nearly every single uh, uh, guest that I have. Uh, and Steve really loves for me to throw this, these numbers out. There's 77 million boomers born between 46 and 64. They're reaching retirement age at, at, at a rapid pace, about one every eight seconds, which is about almost 11,000 a day. So along with this demographic comes these you know, the disease of natural aging, uh, arthritis, things of that nature. So what do you think the uh, employment community should be doing to accommodate the population? Uh, as you know, many states, uh, even, uh, you know, the arousal pre-existing uh, conditions are, are compensable under workers' comp law. Mm -hmm. So what's your take on that? 
and as we all know, you know, we're seeing that shift of of the age the where where the working population is the age of the working population, and you're right. I mean, one thing that we learned during COVID, there was early before COVID, there was a lot of discussion about older folks, you know, staying in jobs and younger people couldn't move up because these older people wouldn't retire. But in COVID, we kind of learned we need a whole lot of people in the job. You know, if we if we start saying, well, you know, we want anybody over 60 or over 70 out of the workplace, there's a lot of jobs that don't get filled at that point in time. So the question then is, well, what do how do we change the job? And, and you know, this is what when we talk about trying to add diversity to the workforce. That's exactly what human factors and ergonomics is about. You know, we've always looked at if the person's tall or the person's short, if the person's left-handed or right-handed, what do we do with the job so that, that we can accommodate that? Well, now we look at an aging population. We see, well, there's some strength issues. There's some mobility issues. There's even some cognitive issues. So how do we design work so that those folks can do the job. And you know what I find is that when we do make those kind of accommodations, we also make the job easier for everybody else. You know, because a lot of people have said, whew, boy, you know, I have a hard time remembering those steps. Well, maybe we make the steps easier or we try to make some kind of a sequencing that, that makes it easier. And the person who's younger, who doesn't have, you know, a cognitive issue goes, wow, now it's easy to remember. <laughs> I think, well, just doing ergonomics just makes it easier for everybody. You, you know, I, I call it institutional knowledge, all, mm. all this gray hair on my face. I, I have uh, in my job, I see young folks coming in and they're all excited about their careers. And and I just sit there and think, you know, 30 years ago, I'm, I'm like you, 30 years ago, I was pretty excited about it as as well. Um, the exoskeleton that you brought mm. up uh, mm. and, and sort of the development of that, you, you know, it, that's fascinating to me because I, I have a sedentary job and you might not think, uh, you know, you have health issues with that, but back support my hip, you know, hips and those types of things. And so I've done a little bit of research after hearing the guests talk about the exoskeletons. And mm -hmm. uh, so what's your take on uh, where do you see that area of the field sort of developing over mm -hmm. the next mm -hmm. few years? Well, you know, it's all part of the of this whole technology um, explosion. Everything that we, we used to have a, a room for a computer to do work, we now have a chip that does that. So, so much can be done in a small area that we can now help people do a job with small electronics, small processors that you can actually wear. And, and so it makes possible a lot of things that weren't possible 15, 20 years ago. The thing that we always have to be really careful about, and this is with any technology. So some somebody has a great idea, they enter a new, you know, they uh, put a new technology in the market. They're so excited about getting that technology in the market, they don't spend a lot of time trying to figure out how does the user use this particular technology? You know, does a driverless car, is it really driverless? And so we start to understand that, yeah, the technology's there, but we really need to focus on how does that technology fit the worker and the type of work that they're doing. So that's that's the kind of process that EXOs are in right now is they're a great idea. They have good applications, but they don't have just a widespread application. We just don't put one on somebody and go, hey, your job is going to be a lot easier now. It At first, I was, I was really concerned that we were going through another uh, – Pre, it, it was a long time ago. Back belts were the sort of 
end all. If I could put a back belt on somebody, I'm going to end back injuries. And we realized that wasn't the case. Well, I think exos are not in that category. They do actually help. We just have to understand a lot more about where they help and how that user uh, uses them in, in you know very special special situations. You keep reaching pinnacles in your career. Um, what what would what would you like your legacy uh, uh, to be in the health and? In you know, I, I, I've heard you ask that, and and boy, it just shocked. It's like I don't know. I have no idea. You know, I I am a very curious person, and so I'm. I like to understand how things work, why they work, why people do what they do. So it leads me into a lot of different things. So I don't know what where this is going to end. You know, I don't, I don't have an endpoint in mind yet. So I, I'm, I'm I don't know that there is a legacy. I I hope that at some point in time, you know, we we can we can have ergonomics as a part of our of our language as a positive part of our language not somebody thinking oh my gosh i have to do that you know it would be really great if at, at some point we can turn the corner and people go oh, well of course we do ergonomics that's you know why wouldn't we do that that would be nice to have that get to that point so hopefully some of the professors at auburn may hear that one of their alumni was interviewed and mm -hmm. they may show this to one of their uh one of their classes so uh, I'd like for you to take this opportunity and, you know, kind of talk to those folks that, that are following you in your profession. What what advice would you give uh, to them about you know, working professionally in the uh, ergonomics field? Sure, sure. So, you know, I, I think you have to have a passion. You have to say, hey, listen, this is something I'm really interested in. Um, I, I don't think we're, if you go into this and say, gee, that's an area I'm going to make a large, large amount of money, that's probably not the, not the right path for you. But if you're really interested in it, I think there are a lot. One, one thing that young people in the profession will ask me, they'll say, oh, my gosh, don't you think that there won't be any need for ergonomics in a few years, you know, 20 years? Can I really make a career out of this? And that they were asking the same questions 45 years ago when I started. And I think what we know is that anytime people are doing work, we're going to have to establish that work so that people can do it effectively without, without injury. And so I, I think that as long as if you're interested, you're passionate about trying to get people to, you know, in to fit the work to them as opposed to them trying to fit the work. I think there's always going to be work out there, whether you're working with a, a cobot or an exo or AI, it's always going to be work that somebody's going to have to do. And I usually finish up with uh, just an opportunity for you to use this as a platform if you have a charitable interest mm -hmm. or you know anything of that nature that you'd like to pass on uh, to our listeners. Is there is there a particular charity that that you're interested in, Gary? You no, know, not particularly. You know, uh, with all the things going on the in the world this day, I I, I I'm you know I, I enjoy the mission of the Red Cross. I think that they do a lot of great work. Um, just. You know, sometimes uh, you and I have seen a lot of things in the world, and and sometimes you take your a deep breath and go, "Wow, you know, here's another one. Can we make it through this?" And I hope we do. I'm sure we will. We will. We will. Gary, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. It's been You're uh, very welcome. Insightful. You. I, I appreciate the uh, the comments that you had, especially to the younger folks uh, that are that are coming up behind you in in the profession. Uh, folks, that's going to wrap it up for another edition. Uh, if you uh, have any uh, questions, uh, have any suggestions for future podcasts, please leave those down at the comments below. I will warn you, 
Uh, if you leave a comment, don't be surprised if our chief visionary officer doesn't respond to you personally. He reads every single one of them and uh, does a great job of getting back to folks if they have questions or need directions about their career, those types of things. Uh, he also speaks a lot. So if you're looking for a speaker uh, at a conference or anything of that nature, just contact Steve Davis and I'm sure he can, uh, what, he or one of the ergonauts can uh, come and, and fill your slot. So Gary, thanks again. Appreciate it. It's an open invitation. Anytime that you want to come back, just let us know. Uh, we appreciate your time and that'll wrap it up for us today. Yes, sir. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Gary. Take care. You too.